Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As usual, during an international break where Man United are actually not losing football matches currently, although they did lose their last one. That's not to say that things aren't really going to... <laughs> things things aren't going exactly to plan for Manchester United off the pitch or on the pitch at the moment, but at least we get a little bit of respite from uh, some poor performances or poor results, let's just say that. But Rob, uh, you enjoying the break? Or well, how do you feel about international football? Yeah, I, I've stated this before, like, not really into it. Sorry, you know, like th- there's been times in the past where I have been, of course, and for work and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we are, we're kind of on pause mode, aren't we, with some of this? Is kind of, we're looking forward now to the Premier League returning to the Champions League starting. There's a lot of stuff happening with United. So our, our kind of focus goes with that. But obviously tonight is England versus Scotland. If you're watching this after the game, you know, no spoilers here. But we were saying, weren't we, off camera, like how exciting really is that? In years gone by, that would have been a really big thing, England versus Scotland, whereas I think, I don't know, I don't really feel it. People are more interested, Scott, that they're both going to be wearing retro kits this time around as opposed to anything to do with the result. Maybe Scott McTominay will continue his scoring form and score a hat-trick against England. We will Isn't see. he doing well at international level as, a, as, a, as an exploding eight into the box? Misprofiled. I think we've said it before. But uh, yeah, he's proven yeah. that. He's doing well for Scotland. I I will not be watching England versus Scotland. I had enough of Wales versus Latvia last night. And uh, God, awful That's stuff. hard enough, isn't it? It really is terrible. Anyway, today we'll be talking more about uh, what Man United do on the right-hand side of their attack because they have been offered. Anwar El Ghazi and Usama Idrissi, I believe, is another, pl- another player that uh, mm-hmm. has been potentially on the radar, but we're going to, or I would like to explain, I don't know whether you agree with this, Rob, why Man United don't need a new right winger, even if Sancho and Anthony do not come back into the fold. I would like to just uh, run through that because I'm seeing, I tweeted last night, United don't, there's, there's back in the manager, but you, there comes a point where you just don't need it. Uh, with a picture of El Ghazi, and it's like, oh, well, United, they only have Palestri, that's it. Ahmad's injured for a long time and they don't have anybody else. They do. They have a lot of options on the (laughs) right-hand side. It's just not a natural fit in a lot of cases, but there's definitely people who could do a job out there for four, three months or whatever. But um, yeah, hopefully get into that today. Anthony, obviously there's been a a statement from him from United over the weekend, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. We'll talk about options on the right-hand side. I know Rob would like to talk about Facundo Pellistri as well. Uh, and yeah. I think there's at least five. There's probably about five options that you can play out there. 
including palestry uh, yes we'll, we'll definitely have... we'll, on, we'll definitely sorry, chat for all that we'll definitely chat for that today but let's also just like put the again the mask down with the flag and just explain obviously the El Ghazi stuff is nonsense so the, the El Ghazi stuff that broke yesterday is all driven from the players camp trying to create noise Manchester United are not interested in El Ghazi and you're totally right Scott why on earth would they be looking at the loan market for a place on the right hand side he's free he's free but so is like you know, David De Gea is free. A sandwich you find on the street is free, isn't it? Like you know, you can pick it up. It's yours. No, look, El Ghazi is not good enough for Manchester United, and I think everyone knows that. But of course, people are going, "Oh, it's a Veghorst type situation." It really isn't. Like with Veghorst, you lost Ronaldo and you had no strikers. You had to go do something. Manchester United, if they play their normal system have plenty of coverage on the right-hand side, whether Anthony is available or whether Jaden Sancho is available. It doesn't really matter. So you're totally right with that. And we'll definitely talk through it today because United have got both, I think, some creative options for the right-hand side, but also some very, very obvious options. Yeah, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well. Uh, a Manchester United podcast, The Promised Land. Uh, no, The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast. What's wrong <laughs> with my head today? Like the video, subscribe and leave a comment for us as well. Hit the notification bell so you don't miss a message and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, Instagram, TikTok, etc. at underscore Rob underscore B on YouTube and Twitter and at Promise and MU on X as well. I've already talked about the running order today. Uh, Rob, talk about your YouTube channel for a second if you'd like. Yes, please. Like, again, I think this is the thing for me. Like, I'm doing the YouTube channel now off the back of the United Masterclass. I'm going to be trying lots of different things. And what I need people to do is obviously subscribe and share and all of that stuff, but also get in contact with me via uh, Twitter stroke X and tell me what you want to see, because I think this is the process that I'm in at the moment is building the channel from the ground up. Um, plenty of subscribers already there, but obviously want to increase that. And and the channel belongs to you guys. I know that sounds corny to to the audience, but ultimately that's why we make the content because we we are communicating with our audience, Manchester United fans. So let me know. Yes, as you said there, it's at underscore Robin Scobby. I don't know where are our names gone today, Scott. Normally they're there, aren't they? I just turned yeah. them off. You turned them yeah. off, did you? There you go. We can have turn, them again. Turn back on. There we go. Look, so there we go. I I, I always think where where does my hand go in this invisible space here? You know, but they're at underscore or underscore B, but that's the handle everywhere. And yes, please do share and subscribe and support the channel. And thank you for everyone here that already does, because I think most of the people that watch us here uh, do support uh, our content and our channels. You got me switching these uh, <laughs> name tags now. Anyway, uh, so over the weekend, uh, Man United confirmed and Anthony confirmed that Anthony would not represent the club or return to training Yeah, uh, for as long as the he, he's obviously dealing with uh, accusations uh, off the pitch, which it's the right, it's the right, that's just, it's the right decision, Rob, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Uh, Man United needs to be careful here not to be seen to playing HR spin the wheel, right? This is, this is not how it works. You have to have a process, you have to stick to it and you have to do it the right way. Don't you? So again, doesn't matter what people think about Anthony one way or the other. What's most important here professionally is that Man United followed due process and they're not calling it a suspension, of course, but the outcome of this is that Manchester United will will not have him in our shirt while this is ongoing. That is the correct thing to do just in terms of normal practice. So, yeah, we will wait to see how this develops. There is a lot 
of noise around this, uh, but we will a not lot. be we will not be addressing it because best practice. <laughs> let's just say that. Um, anyway, let's move on. Anthony is not there, right? Yeah. As it stands, and maybe this week it does get sorted out, but as it stands, there's no resolution in sight, really. Uh, Jaden Sancho is not there either. Jaden Sancho, obviously, as we discussed last week, put out a statement of his own on X, which he's pinned to the top of his feed. On, hmm. I think it's still there, like a week later. It is. Um, so there were suggestions that Eric Ten Hag and Sancho were going to meet on Monday because I think players are back in training from yesterday. Yes, Monday. Um, maybe they can find a resolution, but I think it needs somebody to fall on their sword in a <laughs> in a sense. Uh, and. Will any of them do it? I, I don't know, because Sancho does say he wants to play football in that statement, but obviously he's uh, directly responded to something the manager said in public. Now, let's just talk about Sancho to start, because I think you think that he will be reintegrated. Even when you say reintegrated, <clears throat> even if their talks don't resolve anything. I think had Jaden Sancho come out and said something like, sensational against the manager and the manager had said something sensational against him in this thing, then I think it is much more serious. Now I'm not saying it can't escalate or de-escalate. It could go either way. Of course it can, you know, they will have their own private conversations, which again, I would like to say that I think has come too slowly for Manchester United. Manchester United should have been operationally attacking this straight away. But sometimes Scott, when you run a business or whether it be a football team, you need to kind of look at what you got and work with it. And the thing is, you can't, in, when a transfer window has literally just slammed shut, your options really do decline very, very quickly in real time. Now, I think if Jaden Sancho had said, I'm being mistreated, the manager has done this to me, I don't like this, I'm defending myself. Yeah, he's come out with that kind of two paragraph statement. And a lot of people have said to me, like via Twitter and United fans, Oh, as soon as he says the first paragraph, the second paragraph doesn't count. I don't believe that. I think the second paragraph counts as much as the first. So I think United should have sorted this out in real time. But what happened, Scott? They all went on holiday. I don't like that. <laughs> you know, your business is still running. United is still running. International breaks do not stop things, do they? Like the world carries on. No, your business is on fire. It's not still running. Your business, business is, on, is fire. on fire. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe put the flames out rather than let it smolder. And what United tend to do is they let things smolder because they go, well, we do it on our time. We do it on our time. We don't care about anyone else. And that do is we actually- think... Yeah, you know you like like to brag about social media engagements. They love it. They love <laughs> Do we it. Think that's I don't know. Just throwing okay. something out there. The people again might say it's conspiracy, right? Like we've talked about why it's pinned, okay? And and I've said I still believe that Jaden Sancho sticks by what he was trying to say. You know, without with you know, like like what he said was not a lot really. It, I trained well. And I want to play football and I'll fight for the badge. Oh, it's really controversial, Jaden. It's not really, is it? The controversy comes from everyone talking about it, from every news outlet pushing and pushing and pushing harder. The flames are burning, Scott, and the press are throwing coal onto it. And that's all right. That's the way it works. That's that's our modern world, isn't it? I don't think it's as big a deal between the manager and player as people honestly believe. And I think the manager will say, you just lost half a million pounds worth of wages. 
Sorry, mate. Get on the training pitch and train because you still got to play football and I've still got to get a performance out of you. And that's it. And it's kind of done. And you hear this from training grounds all the time, that when something happens that's sensational or get blown up, you talk to players and players are like, well, massively aware of it <laughs> because life just carries on and footballers play football. So I don't think that this is a situation where my nose has kind of gone, oh, I smell something more fishier here, something more serious. I think that this is something that's a football matter and Jaden shouldn't have tweeted what he tweeted. And that's as simple as that. He'll get fined. It's not a Ronaldo situation. You know, Ronaldo behind the scenes was desperately trying to get out of United and desperately trying to cause all sorts of ructions behind the scenes. And eventually you knew he was going. We did that show a thousand times, didn't we? Ronaldo's gone before the Piers Morgan interview. So I don't know, Scott. Like, I, I, I honestly don't see it as serious as that because I think when it gets to training, if Jaden Sancho's training improves in the next week, Ten Hag will pick him because Ten Hag will go, I want to win football matches. I don't care what he thinks about me. That's the way it is. Managers don't care what players say or do. All they care about is... I, I, I disagree, personally. That's disagree. only from my own experience with footballers and people who've worked in the game and coaches is that you hear it consistently. All people care about... They don't care about cuddles and hugs and being happy. They care about winning. Winning, 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 winning. Man United's big problem, Scott, for 10 years is that they don't know how to win consistently. Can't put things aside. What did um, Rio Ferdinand say recently about Roy Keane? We should talk about that because that's a different time. You're winning, right? And the manager goes, that player never plays for me ever again. Done. And it's a show of strength. Ted Hogg's not in that position. And this is not the same thing. <laughs> it's, not, it's just not. Jada Sancho has acted um, immaturely and will be sanctioned for it and punished. But Jaden Sancho is not saying something really serious. There's no serious allegations here with this. It is just a player not happy and a manager not happy. And what do you do? You drag him in, in into the office. You work it out. That's the way I look at it. That's that's, that's from my own experience and what I see. And I, I'm not saying that that's exactly how it will go. But that's the kind of that's the undertones of this for me. Is that this is a football matter. It needs to be sorted out. And it needs to be sorted out quicker than it has got. Should have been done the day of the game. Um, Managers tend not to ring players anymore like that. Like Fergie would have once upon a time got on a phone to Jaden Sancho that day and said, "This would not have happened." You're dead, me. <laughs> under Sir Alex Ferguson, this would not have happened. And no. to me, like I don't. Whether Ten Hag said it, Ten Hag's, whether you think Ten Hag should have said what he said or not, he mm. did say it. The person in the wrong here is Jaden Sancho. Yes, absolutely in the wrong. And what I've said. Well, it's a few times over the last few weeks. United have lacked discipline. United have had player power dominate their camp for yeah. 10 years. This is whether you... Th the first paragraph in that is inflammatory. It, it is, hmm. compared to what Ten Hag said. For me, hmm. that, stokes the f that stokes the fire 100 times over what, what Ten Hag said. Because yeah. this is carrying on. I do agree that I think they can resolve it and he can be back in the first team for Saturday if they have a conversation and if Sancho takes that statement down and they just smooth it out and they agree that it should have been done a week ago. But Eric Ten Hag absolutely needs to make sure that he is in charge of everyone. And if Jaden Sancho has come out and publicly challenged him and then walked straight back into the team without resolution, that, that immediately points to Eric Ten Hag's power being diminished. 
immediately. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying he's going to walk back in the team without with, without resolution. Like, I think he's going to lose best part of a half million pound out of his pocket, and that and that's the professional way to do it. I don't think that you have to publicly address every private thing at your football club, Scott. I just don't. I think if you run a really tight business and you do it properly, you you manage it in-house. You talk to the player's agent, you talk to the player, you bring them all in, you do it, you, you're hard on it. Like you, you don't you don't pull any punch. You don't, you know, you don't pull any punches and say, well, you know, this is this is a this is okay. Like you talked there about player power. I think player power is more of a problem when players leak stuff to the press and do it in that route. Jaden was actually overly public with this on his Twitter account, like he shouldn't have been. But you know what? It's actually better than him going to, say, one of the red tops and selling his story. That would have been more of a problem. That's where it's happened at Man United in the last 10 years, is that player power has taken over. We've become Chelsea. Chelsea used to do that. The Chelsea players had player power and they just get manager sacked every couple of years because, you know, they wanted a hair. You can see it now. It's even starting to turn. Like I know Ten Hag lost at Arsenal, and you can question his some of his tactical decisions at times. But now this has happened. People are siding with Sancho and saying, "Oh, Ten Hag's in the wrong here," and it's it's twisting the it's twisting the power away from the manager. It's twisting the power away from the manager in a public sense. I don't believe that Eric Ten Hag gives two hoots on the training ground. I think he says, "These are your marks. This is what you do, and if you don't do it, off you go." But I don't think that's the way we are with Sancho. Well, we point... haven't, he hasn't been doing that anyway. We, you know, no, it's not like San- has. Sancho. I mean, he hasn't really. It, it, look he wasn't how... in the squad last week. Oh, well, Sancho wasn't in the squad, and that was his punishment for not doing what manager wanted him to do. And that's the right way to do it. That's why I said that you know Tenar could have just you know fold it out and gone well. He had a knock, but he didn't. And as you said, he's allowed to say that. I think as a manager, you're allowed to say I didn't pick a player. That's fine, and that's kind of all he really did say. But you're right. Like the Jaden Sancho side of it is like in that first paragraph, he's not articulate. He's not eloquent. He doesn't put his point across at all. He just kind of splurges it out. You know, splurges it out, and everyone goes, "Well, it's open to interpretation." Well, of course it is. It's in the public domain. But I think when you're the manager. You have that conversation and you say, right, okay, you're fined, first of all. You're not backing my team until we sort this out. So I think the man, I think Eric Ten Hag does that with players. Like that's the the feedback we get. Marcus Rashford has told us directly what happens with this manager when you do something wrong. He says the manager pulls you to one side, he tells you, he tells you, he's hard on you, and it's finished. And I think he'll do it with Jaden. I think the issue here, Scott, with the international break is that had they been back at Carrington straight away, we would have seen something a lot quicker resolved and we would not be talking about it like this today. The Anthony thing has obviously like made this a lot bigger because we're talking about the right-hand side. I don't think Jaden will start on the right, but you need Jaden Sancho in your front line in the, for the next year. And even if Jaden's not very good, you still need an option there for a player that earns 200, 250 a week. You can't just do what you've done with Maguire and push to one side and then let it burn away. But what do Man United do, Scott? They let the flames burn, don't they? So I think Eric Tenard would rather have resolution, and I think we will. Now he's been away on holiday and come back, I think he'll deal with the player, and I think he'll be firm. I think he'll say to Jaden, you've got to prove yourself, just like everyone else. Let this push over. Who's to say, Jaden? Eric Tenard ain't there looking at Twitter going, oh, his tweet is pinned. Oh, my God, I can't pick him. That's not real. No, Rob, come on. Like, it honestly look, is not real. Look at the circus that is going on around Man United because of this 
Manchester United have full control over their players' PR, right? They have it contractually controlled. They clearly didn't with this. Man United could go to Jen Sancho on day one and say, take that tweet down or we will sue you. They can. They haven't. So there we go. So like you said there, you noted it. Like Man United really don't actually care that it's any of that. They'll just deal with it in-house because that is what businesses and that is what you tend to do if you're running stuff so i look at you know like a business like that and i say well operationally you need to probably do these things to be more professional man united are probably one of the least professional top sides in the premier league would we agree on that yeah like, like does this happen worst. at man city this works. does not happen at man city yeah this does not happen at probably at arsenal you don't get this these players being able to say stuff publicly so that's where your player power uh, uh think side of it does come into it but I also don't think that in the weeks ahead, people will be that worried about a tweet <laughs> by Jaden Sancho. Jaden will get on a football pitch, Scott, eventually. And if he plays well, it will all be forgotten. But if he plays badly, it will never be forgotten. That's the way it goes. And I think and what evidence have we had over the last two and a half years that it will go well? No, no evidence. Which, but the thing is with football is that things do change in the flick of a switch. They do. Like performances change. You, you, people think your football team is rubbish. You go play a big team. You win, and everyone's happy again. And it's as fickle as that. And that's the game of football. It's all kind of based on emotion as opposed to facts. Quite a lot of the time, isn't it, Scott? So for me, the Jaden side of it, I don't back Jaden Sancho at all. Like in that way, in that context. But I do think that as a as a football club, he's one of your better players. He's one of your more talented players. Isn't it better to get the most out of him than go, hmm, maybe we need an Al Ghazi? And I don't say Man United are doing that at all. That's the press saying that. And that's the wider conversation of fans going, oh, we don't want Al Ghazi. Well, who does? I don't think he's a top player at all. I think he's trash. So you're not going to go down that route and you don't need him. But you have options on the right. And that's obviously what we're going to talk about today. For me, yeah. Uh, Sancho and Ten Hag need to find resolution. Yeah. And I don't think he comes back into the team until they do. And no, for, for Eric Ten Hag's sake and his, the, his control and his power, they must resolve that. And Sancho must concede. Absolutely. Of course, of course, of course. I'm not saying anything to the contrary of that. Like, like this, it's Eric Ten Hag's club, his team, he makes these decisions. And I'm actually quite confident that United don't get involved in all of that. Like from, from a high, like the board level do not really say, like again at Chelsea in years gone by, Abramovich would say to managers, you pick that player. We know that. That's common. That's come through those channels. We know that historically. Now we know that Fergie never had any of that. Fergie didn't need to because Fergie was winning. But there's no one at Man United either saying, even at director of football level, Scott, saying to the manager, you must play Jaden Sancho. I don't believe that at all. I think they they back the manager. The manager makes a choice. But you're totally right. The manager will go to the player and say, you have to concede. You have to go and do this. You have to go work hard for me and I'm your boss. And Jaden Sancho said in the second paragraph of his tweet, I respect all coaching decisions and I want to fight for the badge. That's where you are. I think that's the, that's actually quite important and people don't want to talk about that because it's not sensational. That's the boring bit. And I actually think he'll come back and say, sorry, boss, I caused that. I shouldn't have done that. And the manager will say, whatever, two weeks wages, back on the training pitch. That is the story I've heard at football clubs year after year for over a decade, Scott. Is that He's also put a whole lot of pressure on himself. Hasn't he? And that's the stupidity of it for a tweet. For a tweet he's caused, made the fire rage. And I think he will learn from that. I think he'll look at this and go, maybe I won't go on Twitter. And that's what he'll be told. His own his own representatives will be saying to him, Jaden, that's not what we use your account for. Your account is for branding. Yeah, it's to, to sell the, the Sancho brand so we can make you lots of money. That's why he has a Twitter account. It's not to chat to fans. 
it isn't. It's not to say, oh, I thought I trained well. It really isn't. And that's why you don't see it commonly with football football players anymore. But of course, we do see it every now and then. I think right. Ten Hag will deal with it, Scott. I think he's a strong manager and he's a conservative and he'll just say, toe the line or or you, you sit in the stands. And I think Sancho wants to prove himself. But as you said, he's made it so much harder on himself now. So what if they don't resolve? And what if... To me, I think even even if Sancho comes back, I, I think next summer he's gone. Personally, I, th- I think that's it. Yeah, I, I think that's it now. Regardless if he comes back and plays brilliantly, I think he's done. Um, I, I think and... if he comes back and plays well, Man United have got two options, Scott. You play him more next year, you stick with him, or you use that to inflate his value and sell him. So that's the business aspect. And I think Ten Hag thinks like that again. And and I think with, with Jaden is that that you 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 have to use him, but I still think he's third choice on the left. I said that last week and I've said it previously. So that's where he starts as third choice on the left. So as you talk about the left and the right and the center, like if you've got a new striker up top, Scott, and he needs service, say Jaden's your second best creator after Bruno, like say that's how it pans out in the next six months. Do you cut your nose off to spite your face and say, well, we don't like him. We don't want him because he did a tweet six months ago. It will be forgotten, Scott. It will be. They'll be like, whatever, we've won football matches. You do what you want. Just don't tweet again and we'll find you and all of that. So I know it sounds very au fait that, but that's the way I see it with football is that football is so fickle, even at, at ground level. Uh, and Jaden's got to prove himself. You're right, Scott. Like he has to get on a football pitch. It'll be difficult now, isn't it? As he's on that substitute bench and comes on. He won't get that favourable response from the old Trafford crowd anymore. There will be oohs and ahs, won't there? And he'll feel that more than anyone. Ten Hag won't feel it. Ten Hag will go, well, you're a substitute. You know, I'm bringing you on for 10 minutes. Like, do your job. And I think that that's how it works. But you don't, you, you, you are right. They can't find resolution. Then, of course, you can't play him. Like, if, if Jaden digs in, do you think Jaden Sancho is going to dig in? What do you I think? No. He thinks he's been dug, digging in. Already, and he's not in the squad. So, well, does he really think that, or was that just an emotional tweet? After uh, someone said to me as well, Scott, they went, "Oh, it was immediately after the blah 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 the game." It was not right. It was two hours after the final whistle. That that tweet, right? And and the manager had had his press conference about forty five minutes later, and had gone public. It was a video. It went out, yeah, and then all the transcribers took it out, and then all the fan channels attacked Jaden Sancho. Then he tweeted it. So again, people are saying, oh no, he like did it on the final whistle. He did not. He saw all the stuff on Twitter on his couch and went, uh, and and made a tweet that sounded like uh. So I'm not backing him again or supporting him, but I do think there's more context to this and people just saying, Oh, well, you know, it was this. I really don't know if he's I think it's actually a little bit wider. Um, but yeah, he has to prove himself to to us as well, doesn't he? And to the manager, he has to get on a football pitch, score some goals, mate. Everyone will shut up. So what if they don't uh, find a resolution? I'm seeing a lot of people saying, oh, Sainan, where are Ghazi? He should be, you know, United lack options on the right side. That's already been, like, you see like players you. linked, you see players linked with clubs. It doesn't always mean that the club wants to sign them. Like, no, people need no. to understand that. It's just because, well, other clubs will look at this now that, El Ghazi's agents have offered his services and other agents have offered another player to Man United does not mean at all no. that they are interested in making this happen. No. But what it what does come with it is ridicule, regardless, because you, your United's name is attached with some player that they have no no intention of signing. And, and so, that, in, yeah. 
And that is... Sorry. That's always happened to United anyway. But they don't need another player. I tw- I'd like the title of the show to be called Why United Don't Need Another Right Winger. Like They just don't. they got so many options in there. And people are saying, oh, you've only got Palistri and he's unproven. And then Ahmad's injured. And then Mason Mount can't play out there. And then Bruno Fernandes, you can't take him out of the middle. And Marcus Rashford can't play out there. Or you can't, you know, there's so many different options that you can play, you can play, especially if it's just for a short-term thing, and Sancho does eventually reintegrate into the team. Um, to me, I think it makes a lot of sense. That think about this, right? United have signed. United have Kobe Manu coming back. They have Casemiro. They have Sofiane Amrabat who's just signed. They have Mason Mount. They have Christian Eriksen. They have Bruno Fernandez. Mason Mount, Christian Eriksen, Bruno Fernandez have all played on the right-hand side of the of an attack. Yeah. At, to- at points in their career and done a pretty good job of it actually Christian Eriksen especially at Tottenham I know it's a long time ago but if you're not have got a striker in there now who's actually a- an aerial threat you can play one of those players out there and just use that whip whip cross in you can use the ball in behind for Rasmus Hoyland because you don't have a statue at your number nine like Anthony Martial so to me I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be um, but I know you wanted to talk about uh, Facundo Palistri because uh, he's the popular choice. And yeah, I'd like to see him give, be given a go, but I don't think he'd be the first port of call personally. No, I actually don't think he'd be the first port of call, but I think the conversation, wider conversation has to be, do you do it? Do you pull that trigger? Um, just to kind of touch on what you were just saying there, and I think this is again where, like, this is not an accusation of fans or anything like this, but I think it is to do with the genre of football is that people talk about the wide area still as wingers. And I think that if you were talking just about wingers in in kind of totality on their own, then people are like, well, what do you do with a player that plays in the wide positions? Well, Marcus Rashford plays in the wide position. He's not a winger, is he? You know, Anthony is not your traditional winger in the sense that he plays wide and goes on the outside. So I think that when you look at Man United's system, their system and the systemic things that they do in the middle, you look at the 4-2-3-1 as kind of maybe the base of what Ten Hag's done. Ten Hag did that also. Ajax is kind of one of his favourite systems. He does it a lot at Man United. Is that you don't need wingers in those positions. You need forwards. You need attacking midfielders. You need players that can cross the ball, but actually do all the off-ball work, that actually kind of work in those positions. Palestri himself is not a traditional winger, I don't believe. But when you look at that, and you've said about Jaden Sancho, Jaden Sancho is definitely not a traditional winger. None of them kind of are, but have you got options to play your system? Yes, because you've been building that for 12 months and beyond. United have played 4-2-3-1 all the way back to the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, era. Anthony Martial, who you just mentioned there, guess where he can play, Scott? He can play on the left. You know, it's one of his most favoured positions. You've got options to move these bits around. Going back to Palestri and looking at the options on the right, if your options on the left are Rashford, Garnacho, Sancho in that order, you take Anthony out of the right-hand side. It's then about what, what is the order. I think in reality, the order might end up being Mount, Bruno, Palestri. I think that might be the order. But I actually think Man United fans don't really want to see Bruno out there. Like I get a lot of stick when I'd I actually put it. Bruno top of that list. Well, I personally. think Bruno will end up there because when you're looking at the senior players, the say that Mount needs a few weeks to come back or something like that. You might not want to start, start him out there to, you know, blow an injury up again, but I think that's the shape. I think that's where you'll go. 
And I think most people do want to see Bruno play more central. But what you're saying there is totally right. I think Bruno ends up as the default there. And that's happened last year. And I don't think that the manager will just change that overnight. But then you must look at the Palestri option. In the same way that Garnacho has gone from, say, third spot on the left last year at one point to, say, second. And then if you have to move Marcus into the middle for any reason, then it's like Garnacho starts. I kind of think that's where Palestri is, is that... If Mount and Bruno have to do other stuff and that's what you want to do and that's where you're pushing the team, suddenly Palestri's a starter. Suddenly you're looking at Palestri completely different. He's young, he's energetic, he's skillful, he can do so much. And he, he plays for Uruguay more than he plays for us. And that's kind of strange. So maybe the time has come, Scott, to roll that dice. And you've got to say somewhere in these games that come up in the next few weeks that if you have not got Anthony for any period of time, that do you go to Palestri? I think the answer to that might well be yes. Personally, I think it'll be a case of he'll be on the bench and he'll be introduced at the end of matches as a different yeah. option to see how it goes to start with. And if he particularly excels and he can earn himself a start, then maybe we get to that point in a few weeks' time. That is, of course, we are talking about here if Anthony remains suspend, uh, Anthony remains absent for um, a period of time. Sorry, yes. a slip of the tongue there. And uh, if... Jaden Sancho does not find resolution with Eric Ten Hag. We are talking in that aspect, in that sense. I think if Sancho and Ten Hag do make, you know, make up essentially, then Sancho will be probably back in the team, and he might actually be first choice in that position for a little while, at least because and, he's yeah. <laughs> he's got to prove himself. But you know, there's options. And I, yeah, and, and I also think like in, in our universe, people only think about the next game, don't they? Like all the content we make is always geared towards the next game. But the truth is that if you're a manager and you're a coach, you're not looking just at the next game. You're, you are stretching your options and thinking, when can I use a certain player? A manager once said to me that he used to plan his teams out 12 games in advance. And, and I remember saying to him, how and why? And they'd be like, well, I have to have a best case scenario in my head of about looking at an opposition, but then I, it's helping myself really pick my teams. And it was quite interesting because I think those that is, that's something that we don't talk about in, in the game or in the press. And I think when you look at Palestri, there will be games where the manager goes, right, Palestri can exploit that team. So I'm going to give him more minutes there. But I think the biggest thing is, Scott, is profile. And that is that the manager likes an Anthony-like player to do the off-ball work on the right. That's what he wants. And I think that's why he'll end up probably with Mount there over an extended period because Mount can do the off-ball press and set the trap on the right. Anthony does that really well. I think we've we've given him his dues for that over like 12 months. Of course, what do people say, Scott? Oh, Anthony's useless on, on a football pitch. We've had that a lot. But I think Mount replicates that more than Palestri and probably even more to, than to Bruno. And of course, then you lose Bruno's central influence, don't you? But I think you're right. I think Bruno probably starts there eventually. But I think the manager will be looking into the future and will be thinking, can I use Palestri? And I think the answer to that is yes. In the same way that last year with Garnacho, he wasn't sure at the start and was like, I don't know if this lad works. Do I, do I loan him? Do I get him out? Do I get more minutes? How do I make it work? Palestri stayed for a reason, Scott. And I think that's really important. Palestri and Manu, I think, will be the youngsters that benefit in the next few weeks as Man United play around with those kind of central and wide positions. It was only Luxembourg, but you only had to look at Bruno Fernandes' performance over the international break, right? Yeah. The first, the first game, I think he scored against Slovakia. One day he scored a winning goal for Portugal against Slovakia. Yeah. From the right channel, by yeah. the way, where he kind of dri drifted into the box or powered his way into the box and hit the ball across, I think it might have been Martin Dubravko who was in the goal. Yeah. 
I'm not sure, but maybe maybe I'm wrong there. But I know he had a picture with Dubravka after the game as well. That was what Bruno Fernandes can do in that area. And then obviously last night, Monday night, he played, as I say, against Luxembourg. And yes, pinch of salt, that kind of thing. But two assists from the right channel for Gonzalo Inacio, I think, in the air. He also scored another goal from a central area. But this kind of Bruno Fernandes is what... I know people don't really like him on the right-hand side. But I think with a striker in there, or with some kind of aerial presence in there, that that pocket of space for him could be quite useful. Off-ball work and creation. Those are the two things you want from your wide players. And creation means goals and assists. Rashford gives you some of that on the left, gets goals, can do all that, can run the channel. Bruno won't be doing the same thing on the right. He'll be inverting a little bit more and trying to do some of the Anthony stuff. But there's no doubt, Scott, that if you've got a brand new striker up top, and you want someone who can put the ball on his head or even just slide the ball in front of him to run onto, who is better at Man United to do that than Bruno Fernandes? There is no one better at that. Mason Mount can do it, and Mason Mount will be tasked, I think, to do it. But I think Bruno, unfortunately, I say unfortunately, I keep saying I want him to see him as, as the number 10. But if you've got injuries or... or well, we the suspension <laughs> word there. If you've, got, if you've got injuries and absences then you have to roll the dice in a way that maybe fans don't like. And again, that's that's something that I don't think Ten Hag's scared about. Ten Hag's been on holiday for a few days and he'll be watching the internationals. First of all, praying that no one gets injured. That's always I think, the first thing every manager thinks, club manager at least. But I think he'll be looking at Bruno going, I know Bruno can do that because I see it in training. So I'm going to lean that way just for the next game. You know, next game, Bruno's going to play out there and I've got options in the middle. Amrabat, we know, probably won't be ready immediately. That does impact the centre of the pitch for Man United. And that means that Bruno might end up doing a little bit of both, Scott. He might be wide for half the game, might be in the centre at some point. The tactics will change. Um, But yeah, I'm definitely not as against Bruno being on the right in this kind of situation. Do I want him there permanently? No, no, I don't. But I think the manager quite likes him on the right because he can create. Yeah, so let us know what you think United should do, what the most effective option will be. Are you Pellistri in from the beginning? I don't think it'll happen, but, you know, I think popular choice. People would like to see him play. And I'd quite like to see him play as well. But let's uh, move on. Final section of the show, Rob. You did want to talk about uh, Paul Pogba. Yeah, yeah, not not the... It's it's difficult for him. Uh, he's, He's going through a difficult time at Juventus at the moment. I know that we... Might have said at one point we'll never talk about Paul Pogba on this podcast again, really, because he's left Man United now. But yeah, uh, there's a lot hanging over him and uh, a positive test of testosterone after the Aventus game at the weekend has emerged over the last 24 hours or so. Stuff going on off the pitch with his family, etc. as well, which can't be easy to deal with, to say the least. But now uh, with this uh, positive test could mean that Pogba is suspended from football for quite a long time. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to talk specifically about the test because I think, uh, again, due process is now rolling and that's the right way to do it. And if Paul Pogba has done this, he should absolutely be suspended and he will lose a a large chunk of his career because of that. But I, I think it's interesting to talk about Paul Pogba, the myth and the man. You know, Paul Pogba kind of the player that we signed all those years ago and what we wanted from him and what we expected. And again, like we've just been having a really long conversation about Jaden Sancho and the expectations on young men's shoulders. 
uh, and what, what the public expects and what football fans expect. Well, what do we want as a basis? We want goals and assists. We want you to help us win football matches. That's kind of what it comes down to. I think when you look at Paul Pogba, so much has been going on in the background in his life in terms of like the extortion case with his family, you know, stuff that kind of he was going through. Like he cannot be of normal sound of mind. And he's talked about that very recently. He's just done an interview where, um, with an outlet yesterday before the news broke about um, about obviously the failed drugs test uh, around testosterone. And he was talking a bit about it. And I thought it was quite candid and interesting about how he said how difficult it is. And he said, I wish I'd never earned any of this money. And he alluded to that, like he didn't want the fame because it has ruined his life. How are you supposed to go on a football pitch and be good, Scott? I don't know. So I think Man United let Paul Pogba go at probably exactly the right time. And we said that at the time. Uh, the injuries were the problem in a football sense was that you couldn't get him on a football pitch, couldn't get fit and he couldn't get his form. Might end up what you do with Jaden Sancho, isn't it? You might go down that route and go, this doesn't work off you go but I think it's a sorry case for Paul Pogba like, I'm already seeing the feature film in a few years time in my head and like someone's going to be doing a film about Paul Pogba about this guy who won a world cup you know was supposed to going to be the best player in the world best midfielder that they'd ever seen you know I saw him as a kid he was otherworldly he was amazing and then he walked out of Man United for for his reasons it's just a really really sad set of circumstances and i don't think people should give him sympathy at this moment scott not at all he needs to go through this now and and to either prove his innocence or obviously you know serve his punishment but just a caricature of what you want from a top player isn't it it's just it's not real but these people are real people and they have to live with it and paul pogba is going to have to live with this now for the rest of his life yeah i think you've seen a lot of these cases that players have done it unwittingly uh at times i don't know like we we don't want to um yeah. speculate too much because this is a this is a case that will develop over the next few days and weeks and yeah. uh, obviously we'll be looking on to see what happens but yeah that that's it for us today we've got a round off here subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcast and watch us on youtube as well the promise and a manchester united podcast like the video Subscribe, leave a comment, and pop the notification bell on as well so you never miss a show. And follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, etc. at underscore Rob underscore B, as Rob is pointing to on the screen, on YouTube and Twitter, and at PromiseSandMU on Twitter as well. Thanks, Rob, for today. We'll be back later this week, I believe, Thursday, potentially, uh, this week. So a slightly earlier one to look ahead to United playing Brighton in the Premier League and Hopefully we get some answers on what's happening with Jaden Sancho and if he's going to be back in the fold. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon.